Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, and we're live. This is Melinda Kuntz from Hope When There Was None. How are you doing this lovely morning? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, things are coming along and progressing in my special room. As you can see, I have a little background there. I change it out when I want to. Mr. Awesome was wonderful to attach it to the ceiling. And so I have it there. So um, things are just changing, progressing. If you saw the pictures yesterday, like a, oh my gosh really and yeah I did share them I didn't I didn't have to but I wanted to you to see um you know glimpses of my life be real see who I am so my desk is still a little cluttered um but I've got a lot of stuff taken care of a lot of my books are now on a bookshelf some of my stuff I have stored uh totes are looking better I don't want to and you, it's eventually going to have more space in here where I can have shelves and so on. So I'm getting off track. Let's talk about this. We're going to dive into protective orders. So there's a few things that I get questions on. One, what is um, some different terms that you might hear when you start going into legal land? Okay, so that'll be probably on what's today. Today's Wednesday, probably on Friday's broadcast. Tomorrow, I'll be talking about... I don't remember what I'm going to talk about. I It's going to be around the same line. Yeah, definitely around the same line. Um, oh, like court, what to expect in court. So that'll be tomorrow. So let's dive into protective orders. Now with protective orders, I did kind of rag on about this yesterday about um, whether to get one or not. Now that's the age old question. Should I, am I going to ignite the situation by filing this. You just don't know. That's the thing. You just don't know. And um, yeah, that's a personal choice. I usually say, go ahead and apply for it. Now, when you, these are things that I learned when my crazy started. Um, and you, I had to focus because what was happening is when I first left, I was a hot mess. I was, there was no denying it. You know, I hadn't showered in several weeks. I'm, I, I'm kidding you not. I mean, shaving, pff, that went out the door. It's like, I don't have to shave anything anymore. So that was, I felt very, a lot of pride with that. It's like, I don't have anyone telling me I need to shave my my jungle down there. I could let it go native. I could, I didn't have to shave my pits. I didn't have to shave my legs. And I didn't. And it felt very freeing and it felt very good. So, but the showering thing, yeah, I just, I I was in such a place that I didn't feel like showering. I didn't feel like brushing my teeth. I didn't feel like getting dressed. I had to for my kids. I still didn't really shower there. Maybe no two weeks of stretching it. It probably was more like a week, but just remembering the stink <laughs> after I took a shower. Ooh, um, but it was very freeing for me to make my own decisions how I wanted my body to look. I don't have to dress in skimpy clothes. I don't have to run around and I can make my own choices. If I want to look frumpy, and a lot of times I do now, God bless Mr. Awesome, um, I can look frumpy. I can wear clothes and I don't like tight clothes. And the reason why is because I had to wear a lot of form-fitting clothes 
when I was with my ex. Um, he liked me to be showing a lot of skin. There were times that when the kids were gone, I would run around in lingerie or naked and it wasn't by choice. So when I got to be to this part where I am now, I wear what feels comfortable. I might not look like someone that stepped out of a magazine and I'm okay with that. You know, I don't have to wear the eye makeup now. And with my, um, with some of the health challenges that my body experienced, my eyes, I have dry eye, but go figure, my eyes tear up and I'm constantly look like I'm crying. So any mascara, any eye makeup, it's usually off by the end of the day because my eyes tear up. But, um, you know, it just, it was very freeing for me to do what I wanted. I had to ask myself, what did I want? But I was also so hyper-focused on that drama. Again, mentioning that the addiction from the cortisol and the all the, these things going on in my body, that dopamine effect that my brain was going through, kind of craving uh, that my abuser looking, not looking forward to his messages, but I wanted to know what he was saying. What is he thinking? It's not necessarily that I wanted to go back. I just, that connection, I kind of crave that connection. So when you're applying for this, you can do a couple things. One, you can go to a shelter. And uh, if this is a safe place for you, I encourage you to do so. If you need to travel in order to get to a shelter, please do so. I heard a couple people mentioned in their areas over the years said that their the shelters in their areas are terrible. It might be what they look like. There could be, um, because at women's shelters, you not only are having women there and some do house men or families, you know, maybe they had a fire or something, something devastating and they need housing. Um, so you're not only having just women that have left violent situations, abusive situations, but you're also having some women that might have had some substance issues uh, or something, a family member, it's not necessarily intimate partner abuse. Um, I was talking with a lady and she struggled with addiction and she needed a place to stay. She was also going to her meetings or whatever she needed, but um, I was really surprised. I had assumed that everybody in the shelter was from an abusive situation. Again, what I didn't know. So when you apply, if you're staying in a shelter, they can walk you through that. They, they should be able to. Hopefully they can. Uh, when you go to, well, let's dive into this. So it's a protective order, PO, or you'll hear a TRO, which is a temporary restraining order. So the judge will then simultaneously, when you file this, when you're opening this, it's in family court, they will grant you that temporary restraining order. They're going to set that date for you and your abuser to come to court, that your abuser has to respond or they should respond. Now, at the time your abuser is, at the time that your abuser has given, they'll be able to, they have the opportunity to contest anything. So um, any allegations that you might be bringing, accusations, they can, they can go ahead and put forth things against you. Okay. They can put they can, they're going to want to plead their case basically. So before you refile this restraining order, just be aware that this is a process that you're opening. Okay. I think about if it's going to turn out well, is it going to be safe for you or not? If there's an open case, a criminal case against your abuser, where uh, maybe you're the victim, especially if they're on probation, consider, see if you can figure out or find out if you can get a criminal protective order instead. Or in addition to, now it in family court, domestic violence is a restraining order, okay? So you usually have that. 
when you work on your restraining order statement, because they're going to give you forms to fill out. So you kind of want to think about what you're going to write. If you can, sometimes when I went, honestly, when I filed all these, I didn't have a moment. I didn't even know what the heck. I've never filed this stuff before. So they're going to want to know about the incidents and so on. Now, this statement is sworn and official. It's a declaration that you're putting forth in court. Now, this is going to be part, a permanent part of the court record. It's also available for public record. I had talked with the first time I had called the police after I had left my abuser in 2009 for the last time, um, because I hadn't done that before. Okay. Mind you, I had left physically. I tried to leave many, many times before that, but physically I left twice in 2007. But this was the first time I actually called the police. And actually my sister called them. That was the very first time. But talking with the officer, I was, I couldn't understand why weren't they more sympathetic to me? Why weren't they believing me? It seemed like they were, they were just like, oh, this is just domestic squabble in the kind of rolled their eyes. And, um, one of the officers took me aside and said that, um, oh, that's the phone. Eight o'clock. Hmm. We'll see. I think Miss Alex is getting it. But uh, so remember, he's like, you know what? We hear, we have these people that file these things all the time. And unfortunately, those are fraudulent. You know, they want to get even with somebody. They make these fraudulent charges. So whatever you're saying, remember that. It should be truthful and honest, all right? Uh, so just, just be mindful of that. Don't be one of those people that are using this in order to get back at your, your partner or ex or you want to get even. Be careful. Think about what you're writing. It should be well thought out. It's going to be the best summary of your case against your abuser. So take your time. Don't just dash off. Think about what you're writing truthfully and honest don't write off something really fast. Okay. Um, sometimes victims have a, have a hard time realizing how important it is, the statements that they're making when they're filing this. So many critical points can get left off and it's very difficult to try and put this into a case later. So if the declaration is really weak, um, maybe there are all kinds of weak statements that the abuser uses against you, it doesn't mean that you have to cover everything, okay? And I don't want you to get discouraged. Um, but I don't want you to, they're going to want, like I mentioned before, the cliff note version. What the cliff note version is, is just a summary of what happened. It's um, not going to be lengthy. They're not going to want to know your from the start of the relationship to the end of the relationship. They're, they don't want it long. They don't want it drawn out. They're just going to read it briefly, whatever they can get done in like a minute or two, truly, honestly. So in your declaration, using phrases like, among other things, Tom did X, Y, Z. On Jan January 6th and on other occasions, Tom said X, Y, Z and these other threats. My injuries were a broken nose. It was a finger, among other injuries. In other words, always indicate that there's more that you might have left out. Okay, so maybe you don't put it all in, but among other things, among other things. So there is something else there. There's there's more, but you're, unfortunately, maybe you can't write it all because it's a lot. Now, keep your restraining order, the text, focus on the violence and the threats of violence. When you were requesting this order, um, 
you are asking, basically asking the judge to restrict another person's freedoms. Now, this law does not give the judge authority to restrict someone's freedom because the person lies, it sleeps with other men, sleeps with other women, is mean to the kids, stay out, maybe they stay out all night, they swear, they cheat, they drink, squander money, and pretty much act like a, a butthead, okay? They, they, they can't, they're not going to do that. They're not going to say... Do you know what I mean? They're not going to care about that, basically. So even though these lies, maybe the 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 infidelity is very much part of the abuse, they're not on that basis for the judge to grant that order. So there's other important elements that you might want to consider into your restraining order. Start with a summary paragraph. And I do have this in a blog, and you can find the link in the description of this video. And if you listen to the podcast, it will be in the podcast too. So you don't have to write like a mad person right now. Just it's going to be there. So if you're wondering what those words are, by all means, please review this again later in the blog. So other elements that you might want to is start the paragraph, your summary paragraph of why you need this order. For example, I'm requesting the restraining order because I am trying to separate from my husband. And I use husband because in most of the cases out there, males do commit most of the violence against women, most of the abuse. It does happen where men are the victims as well. It has been, there's quite a few people that have come forward for me just in the little time that I've been doing this and they have been victims of abuse. So this can happen the other way. Now, let's uh, say that I'm trying to separate from my boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, and I'm very afraid of him. And maybe I fear for my life. For the last year, his violence against me has escalated. And a week ago, he tried to strangle me. He says he's threatened. He says he has, excuse me, threatened me on more than one occasion. He says, if I ever leave, I'll hunt you down and kill you. Now, I use this stuff because I use that because I know that's something I heard. He has been arrested for, and he was never arrested for domestic violence on X date. But they were never convicted. Also include the abuser's criminal history, including any violent history, even if you weren't the victim. So write a paragraph summary of the abuser's criminal record, especially if it pertains to his violence, threats, threats of violence, I should say, illegal weapons, recklessness, and possible vandalism. Now give specific numbers if you know the case numbers and dates if possible, okay? If there's a particular uh, police report that spells out all of this, this stuff right now, um, threats of violence and so on, attach it to your statement, okay? Now write a paragraph of the most recent incident against you and write a paragraph about the worst incident against you. Now, be sure to mention if the user, excuse me, the abuser has used or brandished or maybe owns any weapons. Give complete quotes of threats of harm to kill you, to kidnap you. Include any incidents that include forced sex. Forced sex is violence, okay? It is abusive. Also give any dates or as close to actual timeline as you possibly can. Now, don't forget to fully include or give the full extent to any injuries that you sustained during any of this time, write a paragraph as well, summarizing the whole, not the whole history, but an overall overview of the abuse. How long has it been? What have you tried to do to stop it? Broken promises as an example. Now write a paragraph as well about your custody wishes, your level of fear regarding the children, the abuser's violence, any threats of violence against or unsafe behaviors in regarding the children. 
consider writing a paragraph about your level of fear about the abuser. Be as specific as you can about how afraid you are, if, what will happen to you, if something happens to you or to your children. What do you think and why do you think he or she is capable of these acts? Now, when I was talking to that 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 excuse me, the police officer that was in Piatone, he had told me, he said, ma'am, off the record, if this is if this is something that's truly abusive, if you're in a hostile situation, if you're feeling that your life is threatened, you need to from now on let the uh, um, let law enforcement know, let attorneys know that you're fearing for your life. So I do include that. I did include that, and any and I did. I did fear for my life. There was a, a threat of violence. There was also a plan to kidnap kidnap me. There was a plan to a murder for hire. So there were these things, and I did fear for my life. So I did include that going forward when I made phone calls to the police, when um, he was stalking me, I would say, I am fearing for my life. And I was, okay. This wasn't that I was making up. I truly didn't know what he was capable of. I know I had seen and experienced what he was capable of. So I needed to make sure that I had gotten that and explained that as clear as I could. Uh, so keep in mind, this is just a guideline, these are just guidelines. You can adjust any of this for your own needs and definitely your own circumstances. Now, immediately, I want you to any time there's a violation, any time that there is, is something that happens, there's the threats, there's harassment, any time that there is, you need to file a report after, let's say you've gotten this, this protective order, you do need to file that. So you can, there's times where I talk to women and they say, well, he's still texting me and I don't want to bother the police or he's still texting me. They're not going to do anything anyway. You need to, to still file. You need to call the police and let them know he's still file. Excuse me. He's still harassing you. He's still threatening you. It's important for your safety. Okay. Many women don't often do that. They feel embarrassed to report it. They don't want to bother the police. They're worried that the police will belittle them. I want you to be a pain in the ass to law enforcement, wherever you are. I don't care. You know, they don't, well, they don't care about me or they don't want to hear this. I don't want to bother them or I don't want to get my ex in trouble. You need to, first of all, this is also a point, if you can, of taking that control back to you. Now, learning this stuff in the very baby beginning, which my point, I totally lost it. You know me. Um, this was a way for me to focus, to get out of that funk, to start showering again. It gave me a purpose to look that first court, first time I went to court pro se, pro se, which means I was representing myself. That first time was eye opening for me. Now, see, I had worked in law offices for many years um, as, as a receptionist and that's nothing, right? So, but I heard the legalese, I've heard the terms, I heard descriptions, but the attorneys I worked for were not that type of attorney. They weren't doing criminal. They weren't doing family courts. They were doing other types. They were doing adoptions. They were doing immigration. So some of the words that I heard that I was now introduced to was totally different than I was used to. Some of the language is still the same, but a majority of it, I had no idea what they were talking about. It was like a foreign language. And also when you're not represented, at least my experience, when I didn't have that representation for a, a official air quote attorney, 
I didn't feel like I was taken as seriously. So not that I want to discourage you, but I do encourage you to maybe just put on a courageous front, put on a strong front when, if you do decide to go this pro se. Now I know I needed to have an attorney because of custody, that that was so very volatile and also the violence that was going on in our relationship even after I left. So I needed somebody there, um, to protect me, but also that understood some of the attorneys I had in the past, uh, they didn't have a lot of or very little experience with domestic violence. So finding someone that had maybe, I don't want to say empathetic, maybe empathetic, um, was very important to me. Finding somebody, and that's even the last guy that he was pro bono for me, I had to ask him, have you had experience with domestic violence? I mean, I was so happy to have him as a pro bono attorney, but I wanted to make sure he understood. Um, so I was very lucky. I really, I count my blessings. So, but this is very important for you to make sure you do call the police, let them know this is going on. Please do so. Okay. Now I want you to take, this is going to be really crazy. Okay. So let's switch it. So on the abuser's view, this person's point of view. So what's going to happen is you're going to file that paperwork. Let's say that the court grants it. So then what happens is once that paperwork is, is approved and so on, your abuser has to be served. So he gets served with an order by the court, by the sheriff. He is told what the order is, the terms of the order. And there is going to be no doubt that he is going to know exactly what this says and what it means. Now he gets to then pick up the phone and gives you a call about the kids. He gives you a sweet card, misses you. He is definitely, or she is definitely testing the limits. So that's what I, when I said that they're going to be calling you, they might harass you. Now, if you allow this person to continually do this, most certainly it's going to be the next step and then the next step. And then the next step there, they definitely have no respect for the law, for you and your wishes, no matter how formally you're expressing them. Okay. So that, that's like a wake up call. Now this poses a great danger for you. And it's also crucial that you put a stop to it immediately. So that's why I said, no matter how innocent that the acts of them contacting you, no matter how, how small it seems to you under normal circumstances, you need to call the police right away. If an officer reacts that you're wasting his time, then insist that the officer make this report and report him too. Now, it is true, again, like I said, that sometimes officers do belittle. They consider it just a minor violation for the restraining orders. But afterwards, honestly, truth time, there has been times when women have been killed by police because they're failing to take that restraining order set excuse me, seriously. So unfortunately, this has happened so long, so so often that many states have passed laws that are requiring police to make an arrest for um, whoever or whenever there is a domestic violence restraining order violated, no matter how minor, okay? It, it, in, in that mind of that officer, they might think it's so small that they have to do this. So when you pick up that phone, dial 911, report each and every violation of your order. If the officer takes notes and on what you say, tell the officer to write out a statement and it needs to go out and to go into the report. So stick to your guns, okay? You are your best advocate. No one else, honestly, I mean, you might have, oh, I have an attorney. They're going to look for my best interests. No one is going to have your best interests more than you will. 
not that CASA, not that GAL, not even his or her attorney. You have your own best interest. So I encourage you to please learn what you can. This That, again, kept my focus off of my circumstances. It gave me something more confidence in myself because I was learning about the court system. I even considered going to uh, not loss. Well, I thought about going back to school, become an attorney or paralegal or something like that, because um, I felt, I felt like Perry Mason, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was feeling really good about myself at one point in time. I felt um, more confidence. Again, I felt very empowered. So the rules for these orders for protective orders do vary. So consult maybe legal aid, an attorney, discuss what exactly your order might need to entail. So whether or allow, this person is allowed to stay away maybe so many feet or it's a complete no contact order, which means you shouldn't even have a text or an email from your abuser. So these are some things that I hope that you can think about and uh, protect yourself. These golden nuggets, you know, I just want to keep you safe, but I also want you to be knowledgeable and know, know what you're up against, not sugarcoating anything, letting you know that there are resources out there, letting you know that, um, that this can be very volatile and just to be honest with you, but if you have any questions, what have you experienced filing your protective orders? Did you refrain from doing a protective order just because you were worried? Was there some fear there? I'd like to know, you know, I'm nosy. And if you don't know I'm nosy, I'll let you know I'm nosy. Let me know a comment. Um, what did you think of today's broadcast? I know I'm long-winded. So thank you for joining me and sticking with me. I do appreciate that. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And again, I don't remember what I was going to talk about tomorrow. I know. I know I had it in my mind. One of it is court, what to expect when you go to court. And um, the other one, what was it? You know, maybe we'll do court tomorrow because I don't remember what the other one is. It's gone. It's, ah, no. So we are going to talk about terms that you should know about in a divorce and separation. That's what I'm going to talk about. And then also what to expect when you go to court. Maybe I should have did these flip-flop, but that's okay. So this is Melinda. I'm going to stop raging on, nagging on. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so very much for all of your support, your encouragement and the love. And I'm just sending you prayers, big hugs. Please stay safe. And if you have any questions, concerns, you need to message me privately, please do. I love hearing from listeners and uh, viewers. So have a great rest of your day. I'm really logging off now. Talk to you soon. Stay safe.